Can the Korean natural farming methods discussed in last week's episode be easily applied to home gardens? Today we continue our discussion with Chris Trump of the Island Harvest Macadamia Nut Farm in Hawaii. We'll separate fact from fiction, learn about indigenous microorganisms, and Chris's experiences learning with Master Cho, the developer of this complete farming system, on the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. Meet Gina. Gina wanted to lose weight, so she spent two years fasting, detoxing, and dabbling with vegan diets while practicing a shit ton of yoga to lose 25 pounds, but it took so long that nobody noticed. Then, Gina started Frenching her food by eating fatty cheeses, butter, sausages, and red meat, and lost 15 more pounds in only two months. Everybody noticed this time. Frenching your food unlocks the riddle of weight loss that skinny French chicks use to slim down, look young, and live longer despite doing everything wrong. Be like Gina. Start Frenching your food today by visiting nutritionheretic.com forward slash Frenching. Fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. (laughs) It's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well being. So this is what I wanted to ask you, because I had this experience here, uh, which I thought was kind of curious. And you'll tell me whether I'm dreaming or if it did have something to do with the Korean uh, method. I have two avocado trees in my yard. One last year when I moved here was bearing fruit. It It didn't produce more than a dozen avocados. The other one had absolutely nothing on it, and it was a larger tree, not even one avocado on it. So when I moved here, the first thing I did was I started to collect the mold, and I put it in my, I actually used a lohala basket instead of the cedar basket. I put it on, you know, made the rice, stick it under the tree, and uh, collected the, the, you know, the mycelium that we talked about. So I collect everything there and I have a little garden patch behind that particular tree and I've been gardening in there, having some successes, some not so successful things just because I didn't have all the different inputs made at the beginning and, you know, busy mom, business, yada, 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 you know, not, not doing my best. But that avocado tree that had absolutely nothing on it was blooming a few months ago. Like crazy. My friend came over and she knows plants more on the organic conventional side, but she, she knows plants. She looked at it and she said, Oh my God, Adrian, you're going to have 200 avocados on. And it's not a big tree. 
The the other one, I've given it a little bit of, uh, you know, the indigenous microorganisms, also called IMOs. Uh, I've put some of the, um, some of that on there. I put, I actually put a little uh, Bokashi, which we've done an episode on Bokashi. So go listen to that episode if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and I've put, you know, I've, I've given it whatever I, 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 don't, I don't even know what schedule, but I've, I've, let's just say I've put some of the inputs. Now that one, the one that had 12 on it last year, has a bunch of little avocados on it this year, like crazy. As a matter of fact, actually that one, it seemed to lose a lot of them. And that could be just because we have high winds here. Uh, but the other one is still looking phenomenal. And it seems that the speed at which the, the avocados are growing is much faster than what I had on, on the other tree last year at this time. So am I dreaming? Is it something that is probably the, uh, the bacteria in the soil that is making both of these trees look so good this year? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know about the speed of, of growth in, in a tree crop. I, I don't, I don't know anything about that. It's possible, um, that it could go faster, but, um, Definitely sharing and, and spraying and, and covering the tree and, and uh, putting biology around the base of the tree um, as that gets established. That's, that's what trees love, you right. know, and, and uh, it, it definitely, and, and speaking of love, one of the teachings of master Cho is, um, you know, I listening to his, him teach and, and I uh, had notes and I looked down and like, love is like every other sentence you know <laughs> like what is this you know <laughs> What's is it a nonsense? <laughs> and uh, you know i think a conscientious care for what you're doing a, a care there's there's a few sayings the shadow of the farmer makes the grain grow you know uh the the eye of the farmer fattens the calf you know these are and you know anecdotes from uh, generations past but you know, maybe there's something to do with love and, and farming, a, a care for what you're doing. And uh, I believe in a, a creator, you know, yeah. some uh, an intel a designer of all this. You know, I look at the complexity under a microscope and I say, there's this was this is a symphony. This yes. isn't like this isn't a conglomeration of randomness. This is a this is an orchestra within, you know, somebody up on the podium. Right, right. Yeah, it's um, it, you know, another thing that happened to me. Now, this one I know was because of the Korean method, because my neighbor is a phenomenal gardener. She grows everything, and yeah, you know, she's been growing stuff for a year. So this year, I took another Korean farming class, and then I started to really get serious about applying things. Nice. So we both, she had about two months before I took the class, she had planted some kabocha squash and green leaves everywhere, taking over the garden, not one flower. Wow. And so I'm growing mine about 20 feet away from her. And I just started them around the same time I took the class. So about two months behind her and I stick it in the ground and it's growing and I'm getting the same thing. Lots of leaves, not as much as her, but lots of leaves, no grow, no flowers. So I contacted the woman who taught me, uh, you know, Kim Chung Suk and I cool. c contacted her and I said, you know, what's going on? What, why am I not seeing flowers? Why are we not seeing flowers? And she told me what to put because there's certain uh she said that basically the flowering is the equivalent of the morning sickness morning sickness stage in a 
female, human female. <laughs> and, and so she tells me what to put on there to mimic this. And luckily my guava tree was, was throwing guavas at me. And I was like, Oh, wait a minute. This is the unripe fruit that I need to make my thing. So I macerated it with the sugar, let it sit for a week, put a, yeah. And that's the, the thing that people don't realize. We have gotten into the, this idea of like, you gotta put, you, as you said, pounds of this and pounds of that. I'm talking, you know, especially for just a few trees, I'm putting what a, um, uh, three, about three quarters of a teaspoon per gallon of water. It's 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 homeopathic for those yes. that are trying to understand rate amounts. It's it's really compared to conventional and even organic current organic practice. It's homeopathic. It's, yes, it's tiny. Yeah, so I'm putting this tiny bit, and this is for a, a ten by ten area too, folks. It's not just for the one plant. So anyway, I put that on there. Um, and I, I had a little bit left in the watering can, so I just put my hand over the fence and put it on my neighbors. The next week, my neighbor's like, did you do something to my my plant? Because I started seeing flowers. Mine didn't, because it was a much younger plant, didn't see flowers, but I'll put it this way. I, I never actually hit hers again with the stuff, and she ended up just pulling her plants out because she never got more than just the few flowers from that first time that I did it. I have no fewer than a dozen pumpkins on my plant. That's awesome. And they're ripening up. And my, my friend who gave me the seed for that was floored when she, she's the same one who knows about avocados and stuff. She, uh, she was floored when she saw how that plant was doing so well. Uh, because like I said, she's got a, an extremely green thumb as well, like, just like my neighbor. And she, she got some off of hers, but nothing like what mine is producing. So yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and one thing I have to say is I did do, uh, I had mentioned to you before we got on that, uh, I had done one class with you, but then I was never able to make the rest of them because of my kids and all that stuff getting in my way. But, um, oh, I understand kids. <laughs> but what was funny was that I was sitting because we were, uh, in that kind of covered area, uh, outside of the pig pen, right next to the pig pen. Uh huh. I had no idea there was a pig there until the pig got up and moved. Like usually, I mean, pigs, they, they, they get they get a they get a bad rap for stinking, right? Yeah. <laughs> but we, we did pigs growing up. It's my job to spray out the pig pen. They you could smell them all the way driving up. I was about ten f- feet away from that pig and had no idea it was there <laughs> until it moved because it's so that the um, Korean method and, and that's that's one of the things I like about it as well is it does have a very conscious uh, understanding of the the symbiotic relationship between the animals and the plants. Uh, so your, your animals, he, uh, doctor, oh, sorry, Master Cho does recommend keeping some animals, some pigs or, or chickens. Oh, he, yeah. I mean, he's all for livestock farming and, and, uh, you know, depending on what you can, you know, what you're doing. But, uh, he, um, he actually got China's, um, most prestigious civilian award, kind of like our Nobel Prize, oh, wow. um, for his work with, uh, during the Beijing Olympics. They had to bring in all their, um, all this pork to feed the army that they use for security. All right. So they're in these um, kind of densely populated uh, cities, bringing in, putting up pig pens. Mm. And the whole populace was complaining about the smell. And uh, they had heard the South Koreans, you know, no smell piggery, brought him over. He showed them how to do it. They put them, they, they changed their piggeries to a no smell piggery and then it worked. And uh, so they, they gave him a big award. That's pretty cool. 
That's yeah. awesome. That that is it. Really, it changes. This system not only changes your concept of farming, but of again the animal, mammal, human aspect of things. And, and again, just talking about those probiotics, like I was saying before, and how we're we're just starting to understand how they are not only uh, protecting the gut lining, but they're also helping the gut to assimilate nutrients. Uh, and this, and seeing how. I'm going to be really crass here, but you know, your shit doesn't have to stink. <laughs> That's what it comes yeah. down to, right? Well, I mean, so. it'll stink when it comes out, but it, it can it can turn into something else real quick, right? But yeah, but but the probiotic that probiotic because it's uh, uh, I know that he he recommends the lactic acid bacteria, and again, folks, we talked about this in the in the Bokashi episode. Um, the lactic acid bacteria that you put that little a few drops into the water totally makes sense to me. Yeah, totally. And there's um on the market there's I think I haven't personally purchased them, but I think there's two fungal probiotics that you can get uh in America on the market oh. right now because they're starting to understand that beneficial fungi is actually a part of the our gut's needs. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, so one I have, uh, we did have actually a lot of questions from a gentleman named, uh, David Leon. I don't know if you remember him from our Facebook group, but, okay. uh, he had, he has a bunch of questions, but I'm just going to narrow it down to one because we're, we're out of time. Sure. And he wants to know what's the Ferrari of diverse microorganism inputs. Is it EM1? AACT, IMOs, or JMS? And if you can also elaborate on what each of those means <laughs> in your answer. Sure. You know, I actually have no idea what an AACT is. So uh, I yeah. have to rule that one out. Sorry, okay. David. I'll look it up. But um, EM1 is awesome. Um, EM1 the, is is basically lactis bacillus or bacillus strains um, that, that people um, purchase. It's kind of, you know, the bugs in a jug they call it when they sell stuff but uh you can get a, it all over the world um it's on the shelf off the shelf kind of thing you can purchase it's basically bacteria in a bottle and um super helpful for growing food um I, nothing negative to say about it other than it's lab grown uh -huh. so generally speaking that could be in the middle of the country or somewhere and so you bring that over here, you apply it, and it may or may not have perpetual effect in your garden. But the cool thing, you're probably going to have about six months of results or, or um, benefit from that. Mm. But if it doesn't establish because it's not from your area and the stuff in the area does kind of beat it out and it just fades, you're not going to have that high population that you poured out of the jug. Um, perpetuating in your garden. Mm -hmm. And so you'll need to buy some more after six months, but that's right. not really that big a deal. Um, so it's, it's a great input. JMS is Cho Yun Sun or Master Cho's son's input uh, that he kind of, he, he grew up cruising around with his dad, Master Cho, um, learning all this stuff and uh, doing beer runs for the, uh, the attendees of his dad's classes. And uh, <laughs> so he, he gained a, uh, as he says that I love for, for beer more than anything in, in <laughs> learning about natural farming. But uh, he, he came up with some real kind of super simplifications of the process of natural farming. And so JMS is um, water, um, some leaf mold you collect, 
and um, a potato in in uh, so in water um, with some salt or, or seawater. And um, super cool. If I was going to the third world and I had nothing, that's what I would teach. Nice. Because that's going to be the most accessible thing with nothing on hand, no resources. And so I, I think it's a really amazing kind of um, addition to kind of the toolkit of natural farming. Um, the, and the thing with all of this is you got to do what you can as a farmer. You're not going to be, like you said, yeah, you're busy at kids. What are you going to do that can help you grow food? And if you grow a ton of food with minimal effort, why do you got to do more? You know, that's right. so anyways, that, that being said, IMO is, um, a solid, um, not a liquid, um, in, in its finished form, it's IMO four. Um, you can make it into a liquid, which is what we do primarily on our farm. So it's the same origin, kind of the leaf mold or the mycelium in an indigenous area, a, a thriving area uh, around your farm or in your area, um, grown out on some media mixed with dirt grown out and then applied to your, um, your soil. I think that in that, that is the Cadillac or the Ferrari, so to speak. And I've said that I think he's actually uh, asking that because I talk about this. It's the diversity, uh, again, finding as I've dug into this, the, the things that are in this practice, kind of the steps involved, are based on really good science. And so the concept in IMO is that you're really trying to not alter. You're trying to keep as true to your original collection as possible your final result just highly multiplied so that you can get a lot of area covered with, you know, a small inoculum. It's, you can get highly fungal, um, in, in JMS, um, you're going to have some limitations on your fungal. You can still get some fungal growth, but not necessarily. And, and everybody's going to be able to do this different, but you're going to have some limit on how much big aerobic fungus can be or microscopic fungi can be produced in uh, anaerobic conditions because it's just water it's not aeration there is some movement in the water you caused by the bubbling but i did that i did a bunch of kind of side-by-side -side trials under a microscope growing um biology out in water growing it out in water and nutrients mm -hmm. growing it out in water and aeration and nutrients and i found if you can keep that water column oxygenated the amount of fungi, which is what I'm going for because I'm a tree farmer, right. um, the amount of fungi is drastically increased with the presence of oxygen. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that um, if you're growing leafy greens, um, the, the JMS is, um, I think, uh, probably all you need. But you might run into bacterial wilt and right. uh, some of these kind of um, things due to lack of diversity and lack of fungal population. Cho Young Sun, the son that made this JMS, ha employs a lot of germicides. He uses germicides to deal with fungal problems mm. um, and bacterial wilt problems. And I think that's because of the lack of um, diversity in the inoculum for these farms. Now, I haven't made a lot of JMS um, so I'm not speaking to a ton of knowledge with that, but I, I mean, specifically exactly his recipe, but I have made a ton of kind of liquid IMO, which is the, the hanging bag and static water. And, um, you know, 
using a lot of the same principles and uh, the amount of yeah so so I guess um I think they're all have their strengths and uh and again it's all of it is an attempt to line up with how nature's growing food and uh so uh, I don't want to like I said EM's awesome don't want to knock it JMS is uh, an amazing kind of tool for growing food and growing food with a potato Literally, right. that's a potato and a handful of salt, and you can get, have a really kind of powerful um, tool for increasing your food, tr- food uh, plant health. And then uh, natural farming, kind of the making of this IMO, I think is so, um, as you do it, understanding how nature works is going to be an outcome. Right. It, because it's so, it's all the kind of principles and reasons and a lot of these inputs are tied into principles found in nature. And so I, I like, I like uh, making liquid IMO using oxygen and uh, the inoculum best. That's, that's my two cents, I guess. Right. 20, 25 cents worth of words, (laughs) two cents worth of content. Um, But what I was going to say is that JMS, I I have yet to get the book. It hasn't been the print. I want the print version and that's not available right now in English and I don't read Korean. So, um, but uh, it seems to me that it's, like you said, if you're stuck somewhere in a third world application or some, for whatever reason, are limited on, on resources, that's probably a good, at least first step. Well, and yeah, and why he says, what's the Ferrari? Right. Is because you you hear um, Cho Yun Sun and um, this guy Gil in, in the Philippines talk about, well, this is the Toyota of agriculture <laughs> like it doesn't have you know it doesn't have the big price tag and it doesn't have the right. you know flashy flashy paint but it'll get you where you need to go and it's a lot cheaper you know and so that's kind of where the reference to the car comes from and, I see. Uh, and the you know I, my kind of where i'm coming from is if i can have a ferrari at the for the price of a honda then i'm gonna drive a ferrari Right. And uh, right now, because I've scaled up and I'm doing this all, I mean, we made 30 gallons of FPJ in four hours yesterday. Right. And that's fermented plant juice for those. Yeah. Who and don't and so, you know, it takes it takes uh, four hours to make five gallons, you know. Right. Um, so because we've scaled, um, a lot of these things have gotten super, super cheap. And, right. Uh, that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, and, and if somebody out there is a farmer, uh, you know, are, are you spending twenty one dollars an acre <laughs> to to uh, fertilize or whatever you're doing right now to manage uh, your crops to feed and, them? And to quantify that, we're also trees. So, I mean, if you're row yes. cropping, you might apply this twice as much. So it'd be like forty dollars an acre or something, right. you know, because you're applying six times a year instead of three times a year. Right, right, right. But it it really does just go to show, I mean, you know, people can kind of figure out how much they're spending per acre and then, you know, does that match up? Something tells me that even some home growers aren't spending that little (laughs) on their, on their inputs, you know, whatever, whatever other system they're coming from. Uh, so, you know, one thing that, uh, does seem to come up for a lot of people before I let you go is, um, about, organic because we're using a lot of things for example uh there is the when you're collecting the after you've collected the initial microorganisms then you add 
some kind of wheat bran or what's been called mill run by some people uh, or rice bran if you have it, if you're in that part of the world. Uh, and they're concerned, does that have to be organic? Does it not have to be organic? And if it's not organic, am I just reintroducing those those chemicals that I didn't want in the first place back into the soil? Oh, I see. Yeah. You see where I'm going with this? And then the same yeah. thing with the sugar. We're macerating it with sugar. Should I be going for the organic sugar or does it not apply anymore? You know, does it, does that, uh, was it uh, mutate, let's say, into a healthier form? Yeah, I mean, I can't necessarily speak to the how much trace this or that is going to get through to the end of you know, if you're using something that has trace elements of glyphosate, for example, in it, are you, is, you is you're ending up with glyphosate and the end result? I, I haven't tested that. I don't, I don't really know anything about that. But if you're going to grow this out on something um, and using the natural farming process, I really recommend if you can find something where you are, you know, um, so the, the kind of central concept of this in JMS or in natural farming, uh, you know, or um, which are kind of both the same thing, just different aspects of kind of the same method. But um, use something you can acquire um, with some of your byproducts or a neighbor's byproducts. If I mean, because really you don't need that much. I mean, I use in a in a year to cover 720 acres three times making lick. I, I make IMO3 and then I use it a few scoops of it as an inoculum for a 400 gallon uh, liquid IMO uh, batch. And um, as far as my media to grow out in, I think I've used maybe 300 pounds to cover 2,100 acres, uh, 300 pounds of um, kind of material. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're covering an acre, you probably need about you know, max 50 pounds, you know, uh, just to make one batch, you can make one batch of IMO3. So if you, the, the central concept is a carb and a carbon. So you're growing it out and, and biology likes to grow on, on carbohydrate. Um, you figure that's the place where it interacts with a tree root, mm -hmm. you know, it's carbohydrate, uh, is, is kind of a universal food for biology. So, Large fungal or hyphal diameter fungi uh, like carbon as as things they chew on, and humic acid is is part of that. Um, but just back to the media to grow it out on, you need a carb and a carbon. So if you're going to grow IMO, if you're going to do JMS, it, they just use a carbohydrate. Um, again, not really gearing to that that fungal growth. But um, just speaking of making a, a solid IMO. A carbon, a carbon. So you could use cassava and shred it and dry it, or um, mash it and dry it. You could use, you know, the peelings of your kalo or sweet potato. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you could use kind of any carb. Um, just get a dry it and throw it in a, a box or something until you have enough. And um, and then a carbon, like a wood chip or a untreated, you know, mill um, dust or sawdust. You know, that doesn't use treated wood. Somebody maybe a local. Miller, you know, um, you could use, um, you know, some crushed, you know, anyways, find a carbon source, something that has a high carbon, low nitrogen ratio, because that's your fungal food. Mm -hmm. And, you know, get about, you know, three carbohydrate to one carbon amount of and so you can do that anywhere. I mean, everywhere, there's some kind of carbohydrate that they have all over the world. And then just a carbon source, you know, wood chips or something. And that's ideal mix for, for growing out your, your biology. And so you don't have to have mill run.
Oh, okay. So I am, for example, I, my neighbor, landlord, whatever, uh, he had somebody building furniture for him. He was using a lot of local woods. Mm-hmm. All, all untreated. Although one of them was cedar. I don't know if the antimicrobial. No, that's um, fine. Okay, that would be fine. Okay, because I got a big bag of that. And then I have a uh, bamboo. So I'm thinking of, you know, I'm just thinking about people around the world, you know, because not everybody's in Hawaii and they don't know what yeah. kalo is and, you know, so on. But, you know, they're not growing taro and stuff. But, um, I could theoretically use my bamboo that is flying around my yard and <laughs> collect that. And, yeah. uh, as with this cedar, is that what you're saying? Um, because yeah, ca- bamboo, bamboo, bamboo is not necessarily a carbohydrate. It's, oh, it's not. Okay. Because no. I thought, it, I thought it had a sugary content. Or yeah. Is it, just, it, just it has sh- some, I mean, you can try it, okay. um, shred it and use it. Um, you want to get it fine, small sized. Um, and, and if it's all cedar, if your wood chips, all cedar, you might run into problems, but if it's a bunch of different woods and a little bit of cedar, you're probably fine. Um, I think it's a but, little bit of a mix, but um, it's probably what I'm thinking of right now is probably heavy on the cedar. But I probably have, I probably can get some of the other stuff too. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd have to try it. Yeah. I don't know how how much that affect you, but um, good big my uh big fungi will grow on cedar um, sawdust. Um, but yeah, I think you're you have a little too little carbohydrate in the in the um bamboo okay but you could try um bamboo alone just kind of all by itself shredded and see what you can grow on it Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think you want to get more into the you know complex carbohydrates something something that's a little more you know uh sugary so to speak okay okay so i do have some cassava which it's not it's not mature yet but i do have some and so, yeah, this is this is really cool that you're saying this. So, grass clippings can those be dried yeah, grass and used? Clippings, not not really. It's yeah, I mean, you're not. I mean, you can experiment with right. stuff. Don't, don't like say I'm. I'm not saying no. Don't try it. But Chris told clippings, me I can't. That's why yeah, I'm not doing. Go it. <laughs> go do whatever you want. I'm just gonna tell you that it won't work. You know? Right, right. <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, grass clippings are really not a great media for really growing out a, a okay. big bunch of biology. Um, it's it's good for you know Chiyun Sun the, the the son of Master Cho uses it for um, fertilizer really cool for kind of fermenting and getting the kind of nutrients out okay. of it. But um yeah just you know a carbon to carbon it's it's kind of a hassle you know people are like ah oh, I got to dry a carbohydrate but if you think about it if you do one batch well mm-hmm. and then store it in a nice like I store mine in a cedar box right um you know and so it's kind of breathable and it stays feel nice that'll last six months so if if you have to do one week worth of you know um turning this little pile um that you kind of dried for you know two weeks you know with kind of minimal effort and it's really does a ton for productivity on your uh on your farm I, i think it's even though it seems like a little bit of work it's pretty minor well, I, I used to uh, belong to a co-op where they were they were hand weeding their crops. So uh, this seems like a cakewalk to have to dry something <laughs> and yeah. then use it. So uh, you know, because there are a lot of places that they're trying to you know not use all of these different uh, uh, chemical inputs, and they're left with hand weeding. So uh, one so. of the things that you asked an early on and I didn't really answer was what about weeds? And um, natural farming doesn't necessarily make your farm weed free. And but 
weeds or, or grass, I mean, as we're dealing with in Hawaii, um, if you have tons of diverse biology, you're not going to get the really weird, funky weeds that come up right after you spray like a, a glyphosate or something. Nice. But you'll get you'll get grasses and, you know, stuff like that coming up, things you don't want. A weed is, by definition, something out of place, right? Right. Um, so dealing with weeds, there's a lot of agricultural knowledge on how to deal with weeds. People take double weed mat and they lay it down. They put a tiny little gap and they have all their good soil under there and they plant their plant. And there's a little gap. And as that plant grows, they move the gap wider. And, you know, there's all these or or they use wood chips because things have a real hard time coming up through wood chips. But there's there's a huge body of knowledge on how to kind of mitigate weeds without breaking your back. And and that's just stuff we need to kind of re we we no longer maybe are going to use weed killer. So maybe we got to come up with revisit and learn some of these practices on how to have a weed, you know, low, low weed maintenance farm. Right. And one of the things that I'm starting to notice on my uh, small garden here is that the, the many of the weeds that are coming up now are much easier to get out. They're, they're not holding yeah. on the way they used to. So I can just, you know, if I see something that's maybe challenging, let's say, the plants that I'm actually trying to grow, my scallions and so on, I can pull them out and they're not a problem. It's, it's very easy. And I just use them for mulch. And, yeah. uh, and so that, that is one thing that I found, uh, really interesting. And then in other places, they're just not really coming up that much. And I, and I think part of that is because of, uh, some of the mulching that I've done with these wood chips that I have, for example, and spraying the IMO, the liquid IMO4, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and so I'm not seeing in a lot of those places, I'm not seeing it at all. I'm not even seeing the, the weeds. Uh, but they're also being outpaced by the stuff I want to grow, which I think is, is kind of what we ideally want anyway. Well, well maybe not ideally for everybody, but, uh, I think a, a lot of the, um, concept behind this might be also that it's not so much the weeds, it's outpacing the weeds. Cause as you know, weeds usually are the ones to outpace your crops, uh, which is when they become the problem. But uh, in my case, I'm not growing wheat, you know, or something like that where I just want the wheat. Uh, but it, I don't know. I'm, I'm not having the problems that I used to have with, with farming and gardening. That's awesome. You know, there's, there's problems that come up with gardening, you know, and we gotta, we gotta, it's, it's hard work and, and with farming, you know, um, but if, if my problem is like in our case is I have to mow my grass, you know, and my trees, all my disease is going away and my trees are increasing in yield and my input costs have decreased to crazy low, and I just have to add a job and a buy a mower, you know, and that's that's the change we're making. Um, that's something I can deal with. I don't have to say, you know what, I can't farm organically because I can't use, you know, uh, a weed killer. Right. <laughs> exactly. I know it's just you know, focus on keep your eye on the prize. Focus on the, the end result, which is that your trees are healthy. You haven't had to scrap any that uh, you thought maybe you would have had to. And uh, it's it just seems like a win win situation. It's a, it's a yeah. small the, mowing your grass is a small price to pay right. for uh, for the types of yields that you're seeing. So, um, you know, we'll uh, hopefully we'll be able to find out more about that. Uh, where can people find you're nuts. That didn't come out right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, 
me and my brother laugh. There's a uh, hundred ways that uh, nut farming becomes a funny, uh, funny thing to talk about. So not the first time. <laughs> the uh, we're we're organically certified this year, and with 400 acres in transition, that'll be certifiable um, two years from now. And uh, the um, nuts that are certified organic this year. Um, should show up on the market this year as a as a Hawaii-grown um, organic macadamia nut. And um, I can't tell you exactly what that's going to look like yet, but we do have uh, plans to uh, process them and uh, produce uh, a completely certified organic product. So is this going to be under your own Island Harvest label, or is it going to be sold to someone else who will process? Um, it's something we're involved with. Um, we are not processing a final product on our farm. We, we, we're not there yet. But, okay. um, but it is um, something that we'll, we'll be involved with all the way through. Um, but yeah, that's that's something that's not all finished yet. So I don't I won't talk too much about okay. that. Well, when you know, let me know and I'll let our listeners know. Where, awesome. where they can find your products and support you. Uh, your Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Island Harvest Inc. Uh, and you're going, you have just shot some videos on everything that we've talked about in this episode. So, uh, please folks go like, love his page and, uh, get informed and keep in touch with us at, uh, nutritionheretic.com. And we will let you know when his videos are up and where he puts them up because he doesn't quite have the website ready yet. Uh, but when he does have his videos up, he will be sharing them and we will be sharing them with you. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was such a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate it. Cool. Well, we'll look forward to talking again. Okay. Take care now. Bye-bye. Alrighty. Bye. The Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean, and our operations manager is Linda Hansen. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at nutritionheretic.com where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you just want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks!